Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast for a trail talk episode. I am one of your host, Tumbles, and next to me is... Cranky, and we have a comedy of errors today. That's right, friends. Only us can fuck up not once, not <laughs> twice, not three times, I think but we're up to four, four times. Now. Yeah. So if you remember... We were talking to Tina, um, the guest before our last guest. Right. And we were planning a summit up Mount Adams in the Whites. um, And we went through the whole plan about how we were going to do this. And it was going to be epic. We are not coming to you from the summit of Mount Adams (laughs) in the Whites today. Nope. We are not even in New Hampshire. We are not even in the Shenandoah, which was our backup plan. We, we, we are not even in Bedford, Pennsylvania. Which at the was, abandoned turnpike, which, turnpike is, which, which is our backup backup plan. We are in my basement. <laughs> so at the beginning of the week, we were looking at the long-range forecast for Berlin. 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 <coughs> um, New Hampshire which is the closest town to where our trailhead would have been, and it was not looking good. Yeah, it would, they were calling for rain at yes. that point. And we were hemming and hawing last week, and if we do go up, it's just going to be a mud pit. It's going to be miserable. And so we started to contemplate our backup plan. Mud, and then once you get above tree lines, slippery rocks, and we wouldn't have been able to see anything anyway. So we contacted Tina. We're like, we're really not sure. We don't think this is going to work. Thank you, Tina. She agreed. She was looking at the weather herself. So we will reschedule, we promise. Mm -hmm. So I got really excited because our backup plan was to complete the Shenandoah section of the AT. We have about 20 miles in there. We were going to do Saturday, Sunday booked the shuttle i was super excited like finally get this done haven't been on the at in months and i think it was november was the last time we yes. were on the at and so debbie downer next to cranky right here <laughs> texts the crank and says i'm honestly thursday this was thursday i'm honestly not sure they are calling for snow they're calling for single digit night temperatures they are calling for heavy winds um yeah it it was a perfect storm as it were and crank was like you know well you know i'm still down for it let's still do it etc etc and i was thinking okay if in the event they decide to shut Skyline Drive down, which they have, they're known to do in the winter time, and ended up happening, and it ended up happening anyway. Why don't we do a section south of the Shenandoah Park? Uh, it was an 18-mile yep. section, and there was, in the event that our shuttle driver couldn't do it, there was another number for a shuttle. Fine, whatever. This was the same day as the half hour later. Yeah, as the day wore on, meaning 45 minutes to an hour later, I texted Crank again and said, I'm out. This is dumb. They're calling for snow. I'm over it. It's no. So he wasn't too thrilled. No, but ultimately turned out to be right. 
Um, so we ended up planning, putting together a list of, we were looking at weather everywhere and it was calling for um, snow in the Shenandoahs, eight to 10 inches, negative 50 mile an hour wind gusts, negative 10. Yeah. Not good. Um, it was calling for over a foot of snow in the whites, which we weren't gonna do anyway, but still that would have been out over a foot of snow in the Adirondacks today. So mm -hmm. that was out. So Crank decided, why don't we do the abandoned section of the Pennsylvania Turnpike in Western Pennsylvania? I said, sure, that has been on the list for a long time now, let's do it. And let's bike it because I actually thought that's what you had meant when you had first suggested the hike. Well, I knew it was going to be snow covered, so I was like, we can, I was planning on walking it, but you were crazy enough to try biking it, so that was the plan. Yes. And then yesterday afternoon, five to ten inches in western Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So today, we ended up doing uh, just some local <clears throat> South Jersey stuff. So even though it is very disappointing and we struck out four times, um, as IB Tet says, no trail is worth your life. Uh, to go to any of those places would have just been miserable. Miserable. And dangerous. If not, well, definitely dangerous, if not outright stupid. So mm -hmm. we made the smart decision. And decided to go to the Pine Barrens. Yes. The where, home of the Jersey Devil. Where it was just raining. So we ended up at, I was looking at abandoned uh, ghost towns in the Pine Barrens, which there are many. So we ended up at, with the bikes, at <laughs> Batstow Village um, in the rain, pouring down rain. So a little- But warm. But warm. It was about 46 degrees when we started around eight o'clock this morning. Yes. 8.30. So Batstow was started in 1766 um, by Charles Reed, and they were doing bog ore. They contributed to the American Revolution. Um, and then in 1799, the ironworks master Joseph Ball bought the entire complex. They ran it as a family for three generations until 1854 when Bethlehem Steel and um, wow I have failed history right now um, Carnegie thank you Jesus Christ Carnegie him too yes Carnegie <laughs> puts iron ore and bog ore out of business so it became a ghost town when industry dries up people just leave mm-hmm until in 1876, Philadelphia businessman Joseph Wharton purchased the site along with a number of other properties, restored the buildings, restored the mansion, and it has been a historic site throughout the 20th and now 21st century. So we were excited because Joseph Wharton um, was the founder of the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and he co-founded Bethlehem Steel Company. Mm -hmm. Which is a fantastic site if any locals are listening and want to take a drive out to eastern Pennsylvania, yep. go to Pe Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yes. 
Um, it is a fantastic site. And once again, how would we have historic preservation without government? Oh, right, private guys with lots of money um, step up and do it, and it's just fine. But I digress. So what did we do there? Um, we biked in the rain. Which was fun. Um, even though it wasn't what we planned, I have not been on a single track off-road trail in years. So we did about four miles in the pouring rain and the wind. And we haven't biked since in over a year correct. at this point since I had COVID. Holy crap. Wow. Good. Which is January of 2021. Yep. I yeah. can't believe that it was a year ago already. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but um, it is if you are interested in history, if you are interested in a bunch of quick little day hikes, or if you are interested in single track off-road biking um this is a great site and make sure you go um if you want to bike these trails there are designated bike trails but we decided to take the hiking trail which was a lot more interesting um they they kind of poo-poo that but no one was around so we said the park was basically it. it was closed it was today closed, yeah um they allowed us on site they saw us we were hanging outside the visitor center yeah but um they obviously knew we were there but they didn't chase us off so yeah, I had a blast barreling through <laughs> single track, jumping routes, and you improved tremendously. Tumbles is not a fan of this type of thing. Because? Because. What's my name? Tumbles. Thank oh, you. yes. I, you haven't fallen on a bike yet, though, I don't think. No, because I've never been on this dangerous horseship before. <laughs> Um, you did <laughs> fine. You improved throughout the day. You started like walking every single obstacle, but you did um, at least ride over that pipe at the end. So okay, well done. so the reason why I was walking the beginning sections is because right next to the trail is the Batstow River. And yes. I didn't want to end up in the river. Wise choice. Could have actually happened <laughs> but yeah i had a blast because i love this shit that that's i went back to my roots oh cheers cheers um this so yeah today's um episode is sponsored by great value drinking great water value brand drinking water which probably comes out of some tap in patterson new jersey <laughs> and it's bottles for walmart there we go so it's an awesome well it's a fun site it's fun yeah, yeah it's like a half day take your family type site i would like to do the 23 mile big trail loop. yeah i don't know if it's a loop it ends i forget where it ends uh it ends somewhere 23 miles away um that's the pink trail and we need to look at a better map to see where this goes that sounds like uh stage cars and yeah. do that one day yep yep because it is about two and a half hours from here. Mm -hmm. So um, then we fucked up the um, Wawa in Hamilton, New Jersey bathroom. <laughs> so I didn't tell you this. So I was in, <laughs> I was in the stall changing, and I had we were absolutely soaked. Obviously, I had all of my wet stuff hanging over the stall. I know. I saw somebody open the bathroom. Someone opened. And the... I saw the clothesline <laughs> yes. in the bathroom. And the guy went, "Oh no!" And turned <laughs> like went to the urinal, grumbled the whole time, turned around and left. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Uh, he obviously had to take a shit, but it was occupied oh. with all of my stuff. I mean, he could have come into the women's room, you know, 
It's a free country. <laughs> so we fucked up that bathroom as we are wont to do after any of our adventures. Mm-hmm. And then we attempted to go to the Amatol yeah. um, ghost town, which I do want to visit. I would like to see it when it's not raining or snowing or yes. sleeting or So March. this was a town that popped up in 1915, centered around the industry of, and please contact us if anyone knows about this and we're pronouncing this wrong, um, Amatol. It sounds like a sleeping pill. I'm sure they'll come out with it soon. Okay. It's a explosive. It is, I don't know if it's a TNT derivative or a nitroglycerin derivative. TNT. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is an explosive and an entire town built up around this factory in World War I. And it made sense because the Pine Barrens was even more desolate than it is now. So they had plenty of land to play with. Well, that's what we were saying about Batstow, too, where they were producing stuff for the Revolutionary War. We're like, well, no one's going to find them here. They're certainly safe. The British aren't coming back here. Right. Um, Obviously, the war ends. There's no more. There's no one buying um, their product and the town just disappears. We didn't get there because it is surrounded by private property with a very narrow corridor to get to the site through this private property. What did you say? It was about three miles? Three miles. And it was raining and it was windy and we had already changed and dried off once and did not feel like getting pneumonia. So that was out. So we ended up... (laughs) I don't even know what... Oh, was it Tabernacle? We ended up in the town of Tabernacle, New Jersey to see the Mexican Charles Lindbergh Memorial. (laughs) So... Uh, Captain Emilio Carranza Rodriguez. Estevez. <laughs> Not yeah, Estevez. Estevez. <laughs> um, it was a Mexican aviator. He was born in 1905, died in 1928. He was dubbed the Lindbergh of Mexico. He set several aviation records as a young man. Um, he crashed in Sonora and his face had to be reconstructed with platinum screws so that must have been awesome looking with 1927 medical technology (laughs) Um, if you've seen Boardwalk Empire one of the characters I'm thinking of 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 that I have not but like half his face he needed to uh, wear a mask like Phantom of the Opera style yeah 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 yeah, yeah, awesome See, I don't know Boardwalk Empire, but I know... I forget the name of the character now. Oh, I'm a horrible person. Love that one. Love that show. My mind's been a sieve today anyway, so whatever. So, 1928, he became a national hero because he attempted the a nonstop flight from Mexico to New York. He was forced to land in North Carolina due to fog, so that kind of blew out the nonstop part. Mm -hmm. But it was, the other purpose was a goodwill, um, kind of like an ambassadorial thing, establishing better relations between the United States and Mexico. You can do that with with a a car at that point or your train, you know? I mean, he didn't have to... Well, it was 1927 and Charles Lindbergh and aviation was the thing, so... And for those of you who are not aware, yes, it 
probably was a good idea to patch up that relationship because you had another Carranza. Go ahead. Another Carranza, who was the president of Mexico at the time, was basically a puppet to the central powers or the enemy during World War One. So you had that, and the also you had Zimmerman Telegram. That's right. That came out of Mexico. So yeah. It was time to patch up and then those relations. Yeah, before that, um, Jack Black Pershing in the early 1900s, um, we had some skirmishes with Mexico. So yeah, things were not amicable Great. between our neighboring country. So this is a goodwill trip. He made it to Washington, D.C. He had lunch with Calvin Coolidge, the only halfway decent president of the 20th century. And... Went on to New York, glad-handed with a bunch of people in New York, and then departed to head back. Oh, he flew to West Point, actually, as well. Oh. Um, and he went at the request of Edith Norse Rogers, who was responsible for lifting an embargo of aviation products to Mexico. So, yeah, he actually accomplished some things, got some more free trade going, so good for him. So... July 12th. Unfortunately, he died. Yes. He received a telegram. Start your flight back. The goal is to fly nonstop to set that record. Um, this trip was funded by the little children of Mexico who Aww, saved their saved pennies. pennies. And Charles Lindbergh <laughs> and a bunch of um, wealthy donors. So he took off. <laughs> it was thunderstorming, which is stupid. His plane, basically, if you picture the spirit of St. Louis, it was the same plane basically mm -hmm. and he ended up um crashing in the pine barrens in new jersey and dying and there is a monument there that was erected by the little children of mexico they who sa saved their pennies again, again. <laughs> to build the monument since, fucking... <laughs> since the flight didn't work out they erected the monument and i gotta tell you that where this monument is is totally off the beaten path you have to actively find it it's not off to route 206 which is kind of the, the major dual carriageway um through the pineys um no you have to go in some residential off some residential streets and then make a turn and then you are on unmaintained road and then you start to go through actual pine i'm like oh now we're really in the center of the pine barrens here and uh, there were some sketch pickup trucks around, and there was a preparatory school, random preparatory school in the middle of fucking nowhere. And then finally, you have arrived with no signal. <laughs> At the monument. We're gonna die. Well, here's what we'll do. We'll reach back in the past and we'll write a letter to Mr. Carranza Please saying, die elsewhere. Please crash and die in a more convenient <laughs> location for sightseers, please. <laughs> Will that make you feel better? Uh, sure. All right, perfect. <laughs> um, so that was really it. So this is really a lesson in, uh, to use a very tired phrase, uh, lemonade out of lemons, because we had four strikeouts, but we still were able to put something together and have fun and learn something. And I got to go kind of mountain biking, single track, how about adaptability? Yes, thank you. That's you're, much you're better. That is much, much better. So, 
that was that was that we are and we're going to commit to this now because we're putting it out there on the airwaves <coughs> what are we planning oh <laughs> let's backtrack okay about what was it? almost two weeks ago i was looking on the national park services site to see when the JMT lottery opened, the John Muir Trail lottery opened, thinking, hey, for giggles, let's put us in. And it was during the perfect time in August since it's a five or six month uh, turnaround time. So you have to book your permits or get into the lottery now for a summer hike. So I put us in and I honestly didn't do my research when I put us in. And I told you for giggles, I put us in for a wilderness permit in Yosemite. We'll see what happens. Alder Creek Trailhead. Alder Creek Trailhead, which is in the southwestern portion of the park. It's by the southern entrance to the park. And about three days later, I get an email from the Sur Park Service saying we got the permit, which is apparently nothing too special because <laughs> that trailhead is rather remote and nowhere near the John Muir Trail. But we didn't know this, so we were all excited. So we were very, very, very excited. And uh, then we started talking. And I started actually researching because I was all excited that the lottery was happening now. So I just did it and didn't do anything. Any research. Anyway. Anyway. We chatted and you said, let's go. So then the real research began. And, um, yeah, the trailhead is nowhere near John Muir. So we are still planning this but mm -hmm. we are adjusting correct so we are looking at a Grand Canyon rim to rim we are also looking today we put in the lottery request for Half Dome correct so needless to say we are going out west this summer I found cheap flights to Las Vegas and because of the current climate and if you live under a rock you're not very familiar with what's going on gas prices have gone through the roof so i said all right they are 260 dollars round trip tickets to las vegas i am going to book them now so they don't go up to 450 and then we lose our chance because you were looking at fresno and fresno was like 500 round yes. trip right yep. and i said no 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 that's not gonna happen along with renting a car that would be way too expensive um so we booked las vegas to flight to las vegas this week and we are planning as crank said a rim to rim hike in the grand canyon hopefully hit up wheeler peak which is one of the uh, larger mountains in nevada it's the second largest i believe it's the second largest um what else uh hoover dam definitely um stopping at death valley i mean doing all, all of the things in a week basically and going into yosemite yes which the half dome so for those of you who are not aware of the process we're not going to give our dates or our exact itinerary but um you have to to get into yosemite you have to make a reservation to do half dome you have to enter even just a day hike you have to enter into a lottery yes so um you go to 
reservation.gov, you look for where you want to go, you put all your information in, and then you cross your fingers. Correct. So that is where we are, and we'll update you on this process as we continue to plan, but now that we've said it on the podcast, we're almost we're committed. committed. Yeah. Because we said we were going to do uh, Mount Adams, and we didn't end up doing that. Uh, well, we've already put money into this, so we're yes. doing it. Uh, um, also, where was my mind going? Mind, come back. Damn it. It just escaped me. Anyway. So, I have a question. What's your question? If you think of that, <clears throat> jump in at any time. Oh, now I remember. Thank you. <laughs> Starting in 2021, a lot of the major national parks have started this triple tax, which basically you have to pay yes. to now, not only to get into the park, you have to pay more money to for specific dates at high season. Yep. So it's you're double paying on top of the taxes you pay to the federal government. Keep in mind we have a four trillion ish dollar annual budget. Correct. You and would think with four trillion dollars they could afford to keep the national parks, which they have committed to maintaining, you would think they could afford to keep that going. They can. If this is purely punitive to keep people away. Correct. They saw an influx of people during COVID. Uh, well, after they reopened the parks. Um, Glacier was definitely one of them. I managed to squeak in before they started that bullshit there. But Glacier is another park that now does this reservation fee. I don't I don't. It's absolutely frustrating. Um, but Yosemite, uh, Yellowstone is probably in there too. Uh, it doesn't look like Death Valley's in there just because Death Valley is... No one goes there. ...the hottest place yeah. in the country, so who would want to chill out there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anywho, we're going to the Southwest. That's so yeah, so that's the process to get started. We'll fill you in on the process as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be an education for all of us if you follow along. But I have a question, Tumbles. What's your question? I'm looking at our metrics, and we have lots of listeners from the United States. We have a United Kingdom, a few. We have Canada. We have Spain. We have India. Do we have the African guy? Uh, no, Ansu does not appear to have <laughs> listened. He only talks to you on Instagram. He does talk to me on Instagram <laughs> a lot. I ignore him. Oh, view more. We have Italy. Oh, of course. My question is, what do you suppose happened to our Russian listeners that we used to have? Well, Crank, there, there's something called the, the Russo-Ukrainian War going on. <laughs> really? Yeah. I had no idea. It started like two and a half weeks ago, and uh, Russia was pissed off, so they decided to invade Ukraine to get their shit back, and uh, that caused a lot of deaths, and... A lot of heartache and everyone in NATO was pissed off so they decided to place sanctions on Russia which um, hurts the the general population instead of the oligarchs and uh, so anyway they decided to ban all of their citizens from social media so that's what happened to our Russian listeners why yes yes it is well that certainly sucks <laughs> we missed our Russian listeners yes they can't hear this but we miss you <laughs> um, you, you place our numbers up. <laughs> yes. 
So, yeah, we rarely do outright political statements unless it's related to parks or nature. That's right. Um, but I did want to talk about this a little bit. So you are going to hear every single politician, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter, blame everything bad that happens in this country for the next six months to a year on, on Russia. Russia and Vladimir Putin. Granted, is, the guy's not my favorite either. No. No. We shouldn't have to say this, but let's say let's this. Let's say it. Disclaimer. He is engaged in war crimes. We are anti-war. We are libertarian anarchists, so war is not our thing. Our thing is the opposite of war. Peace, love, <clears throat> hug a tree. Except that last part. Um, <laughs> so you hike he, in the fucking woods. Yeah, I, I don't. Hug a tree is too associated with environmental nonsense. Okay. So anyway, he is obviously engaged in a brutal war, and now he's stepped into war crimes because he's bombing hospitals and, yeah. and killing babies. But the United States never does that. Um, so Yemen what? Oh, right. Um, Afghanistan what? Yep. Two weeks ago, we <laughs> killed six kids, but we got a terrorist, so that's okay that we killed six kids because we got a bad guy. Okay. All right. So... Quick, quick history, because you're not going to hear this very many other places. The roots of this conflict, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but it goes all the way back to um, the Cossacks in like the 15 and 1600s. <laughs> not going into tons of detail, but Ukraine has been in a tug of war. Lithuania and Poland actually used to be major powers. And yeah. that's where this starts. They were in a tug of war over Ukraine with Moscow going back 500 years. The Cossacks tried to step out of it, go up into the mountains and the steppes and do their own thing. They signed a treaty of protection there with, you go. with Moscow, which you should never trust should not any do. government to protect you. And that's where Russia gets its foot in the door. And it's been a tug of war ever since. During the Soviet Union, they just took over the entire country and starved 7 million Ukrainians. Like, how fucked up is communism? You have the most fertile land on the planet and 7 million people starved because of mismanagement. That's not surprising, though. No. Look at their own country. Yes. So the roots of this exact conflict start with the breakup of the Soviet Union. Um, Secretary of State Baker met with um, Yeltsin and Gorbachev, and they promised, if you allow Germany to remain, uh, to reunify and under the West, we will not expand NATO one inch. This was 1991. One. Yep. You will hear that this is not true. It never happened. It's not documented. It is documented. Um, we'll, we'll have to put it in the show notes because I don't remember off the top of my head. But the minutes from that meeting were declassified from some university archives. And mm -hmm. yes, it's in there. They did not sign a formal treaty. It was like word of mouth. <laughs> verbal. Gentleman's handshake. Yes, which is a mistake on Russia's part for believing that. Right. So... Eight years later. Yep. Um, Poland joins. 
NATO. 1999. And, uh, I think it was 97. Was it 97? Six yep. years later. Yep. And then that starts the domino effect. And all of these former Soviet bloc countries join NATO. And you'll hear on the news, it's their free will. They can join whoever they want, which is true. Mm-hmm. However, um, anytime there's a conflict, you need to understand the perspectives of everyone. From Russia's perspective, NATO is not a um, breakfast club. It's not a social gathering. It's, it's not a bridge meeting. It is a permanent military alliance that was formed against them. With good reason at the time. Because it was not long after that. I forget. It's murky to me. I forget the timeline of Vladimir Putin when he became prime minister versus president. 97, 8, 9, somewhere in there. Because I was in high school. Right. And um, my history teacher at the time was Russian descendant. And we were talking about the rise of this new political power in Russia. And we used to get hilarious homework assignments where if we could find him a picture of Vladimir Putin smiling, we'd get an A for the marking period. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) We can't find it. No. Well, it's this the Stoic, you know, Russians. So anyway, you were going to say. Um, Around that time, wasn't it him that asked if Russia could be part of NATO? Yes. So when he comes to power... um, One of the first things he did was say, you know what, Russia, NATO was formed to form a bulwark against the Soviet Union. That no longer exists. We are the Russian Federation now. We want to join. They told him, no, you're too big. Too big. It is a a big country. It's the largest country in the world. It's a pretty big country. So is the United States. So is Canada. So they told him, no. So he sees these former Soviet bloc countries creeping towards his border. And when you join NATO, it's not just like you get a little sticker, a bumper sticker you put on the car. (laughs) This this car, Poland climbed NATO. Like, can we get a NATO bumper sticker? (laughs) Sure. It's a military alliance. So you get weapons. They put missiles inside your country. If one of those countries goes to war, every other country that's NATO country joins them. Article five. Yep. These missiles are pointed towards Russia. It starts creeping towards their border. He asked to join. No. I don't know what year, but then he asked to join the European Union. No. No. In uh, 2001, after September 11th, he tells the United States, use whatever you want, whatever airfields in Russia, we'll do whatever we can do for you. We take him up on that. He got nothing for it long term. So this has just, his anger at the West has just been building Building. and building. And you also have to remember, he is KGB. He's been programmed from a young lad that the West is the enemy. A young comrade. A young Young comrade. comrade. Very good. And when we do things to validate that programming, it's not good. No. Not to mention, Russia is also one of those countries that has quite a few nukes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, so 2014. Yes. Ah, yes. The crime. Pardon me. <coughs> Bless you. 2014. There is a revolution in Ukraine, and um, the neutral to pro-Russian government in Ukraine, which was democratically elected, mm-hmm. 
is overthrown by a coup. Guess who funded that and who helped Zelensky come to power? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that... Tumbles in the back. <laughs> is that us? That's not only us. That is Joe Biden. That was Joe oh. Biden's project from President Obama help Zelensky organize, help Zelensky succeed in this coup. Makes a lot of sense why Hunter was playing around in Ukraine, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. So, a pro-NATO government comes to power. Pisses Putin off real bad. So he invades Crimea and annexes it. Uh, Granted, people have compared this to Hitler invading Austria. It's not really the same. It's not really the same. But many people in the Crimea speak Russian. They were, um, many of them wanted to join Russia. So he just takes it. Should he have done that? No, but we're hoping to give you a more complete picture as to why things happen. Right. Zelensky dams up the major river flowing into the Crimea and tries to starve them out. The Russians, as part of this invasion, blew up that dam and have restored water rights to Crimea. Again, this doesn't excuse anyone for anything. It's still very wrong. Yes. Uh, So what happened in this go is that Russia has been trying to get the Donbass region of Ukraine, which is the easternmost region of Ukraine, and take it back for Russia. The majority of the people living in that region speak Russian and want to go back to Russia. The majority. And I don't know about now. I think this may have soured soured even their desires. Uh, Because all of Ukraine is fucked up now. I think his support, even amongst those people, is diminishing rapidly. Mm -hmm. So again, this is not excusing anything. It's just trying to understand a complete picture and just letting you know um, there are from now until whenever rising gas prices are going to be blamed on this rising food prices are going to be blamed on this everything that happens in this country there's going to be big bad Putin and that's who they're going to blame it on and it's not the case we get 7 to 8 percent of our oil from Russia from what I learned England gets only six percent interesting yes france is smart they're mostly on nuclear power right so the high prices that you see now which is what's today's day today is the 11th or 12th of march um is not from russia it's speculation number one and it's the after effects of covid and shutting down the keystone pipeline and shutting down alaskan drilling and all of that stuff will Um, these sanctions and will banning Russian oil contribute? Yes. Yes. But this is all, the inflation you're seeing now is due to high government spending for the last 50 years. It's not 60 years. Since Franklin Roosevelt. What about OPEC? Um, what about OPEC? Well, I was told that it's, we have souring relations with OPEC. I'm sure we do because we still have uh, because we have to play nice with Iran and um, hold on I'm sorry we have to play nice with Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and we uh, President Obama made a deal the 
Iranian nuclear deal, which right. pissed off Saudi Arabia. So then we have to play nice with Saudi Arabia. So we were funding their basically genocide against Yemen. Cool. Mm -hmm. And now what about the South American oil that we're trying to get? That I, I can't speak to that. That I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, so we're trying to uh, tap into South American reserves. Like Venezuela? Yeah. Okay. That was a country. Yep, Venezuela. <laughs> but Venezuela has been plagued by a dictatorship for the last X amount of years. They are a shell of what they once were. We also contributed to that. Again, another coup. They shifted from capitalism to pure socialism, and since then the country has just gone to complete shit. So I don't know a lot of details, but that's basically the broad strokes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know what happens. I don't know how Putin is going to, I don't know what the end game here is. He's probably going to take Kiev. He's not going to be able to hold on to the entire country. He no, can't run he it. Can't. So I have no, it looks like at this point he is just taking his kickball and knocking down everyone's blocks and kicking everything over because he's yeah. mad for the reasons that we explained why. And what- Is it right? No. But that's, you have to understand motivations. Correct. If you just say bad man, Russia man, bad and vilify him, you're never gonna get We're anywhere. back to the 1950s. Yep, you're never gonna get anywhere. And at this point, um, we were just listening to Kamala Harris in Poland and through her incoherent nonsense, um, all she did was escalate. We're giving these missiles here. We're, we're giving this money troops. here. We're sending more troops to Poland. Another 5,000 troops are coming over. Why? I'm sorry. The correct answer is the Tulsi Gabbard answer where she she has no power. She's just a private citizen now. But um, she has met with Putin in the past and she, whether or not he, she has no power. So this doesn't matter. But right. it's an example of what should be happening. Um, she did a TikTok release where she said, Okay, President Putin, you have made your point. Now let's sit down and talk about saving lives and solving this and de-escalating. And that's not what's happening. He's clearly, he doesn't give a rat's ass about his own citizens who are clearly suffering from the yes. sanctions that NATO is putting on them. And, and we, the United States is NATO. And you're hearing sanctions, sanctions, sanctions. All the sanctions do is prevent poor Russian children from getting McDonald's, poor Russian children from getting goods and supplies that they need correct so it's just a bad situation all around again have no idea what to do about it just wanted to give our listeners a more complete picture so if you're still listening congratulations mini uh, history lesson <laughs> mini history and modern political science lesson yes wow that was fun that, that was fun wow we we've, are we've 44 40, minutes 44 minutes that's pretty damn good um obviously big western trip coming up in the meantime i want to get back to the shenandoah so we'll be doing that sometime in the next couple of weeks yeah do you have anything else um, no all right i think that's a good as dr peterson says that's a good place to stop well dr peterson why don't you follow us on the gram <laughs> rocks <laughs> underscore and underscore roots underscore pod oh actually i do have something else um I know you just I know. diminished my fire there. I'm sorry. I fucked it up. <laughs> so Jordan Peterson's daughter, Michaela, who's kind of dumb in comparison. <laughs> sorry. Um, I like the format of her podcast because she'll get two people from polar opposite views and mm -hmm. interview them for a half hour separately. Right. 
So she has a Zelensky lackey talking about the war and things on the ground and what's happening and Putin's evil. And then she has a Putin lackey who sounds like a complete, because their case is very weak for this, sounds like a complete idiot, but it's a very interesting perspective from both sides. Mm -hmm. So Michaela Peterson podcast, go check that out. There you go. Now okay. you were saying. Oh yeah. We're on social media. Follow us on social media. We're on Patreon. Give us a few dollars to keep our subscriptions going so you can continue listening to this fantastic content. Brought um, to you by viewers like you. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, ciao.